Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Today on the show, I welcome Kaylee McDevitt. Kaylee is a registered dietitian who specializes in restoring women's metabolism, optimizing their hormones, and optimizing their fertility. So we are going to talk mostly about all of those things. I'm so excited. I feel like metabolism, boosting your metabolism, do you have a slow or fast metabolism, like all of that is talked about so much, but I don't think we actually really truly understand what metabolism is. So we're going to talk about what is a sluggish metabolism and what can we do about it. We're also going to talk all about all different kinds of hormones. So this is an episode that affects all women. So if you're a woman, keep listening. And I think that you're going to learn a lot from this episode and just benefit so much from all of the different tips that Kaylee shares. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Kaylee. I am so, so excited to chat with you today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah. So for listeners who don't already know who you are, can you just briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. My name is Kaylee McDevitt. I'm a registered dietitian and I run a virtual private practice that specializes in women's health specifically. And I had no intention of being in this space. I wanted to be in sports nutrition, actually. It's like why I went to school and I picked my internship based on sports nutrition. But as fate would have it, I had my own hormone health crisis while being in school to become a dietitian and learned all the things and pivoted my career based on that because I just saw a need. So it's it's fun. I love the work we get to do. Yes. Well, I hope you're healed and hold now. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of us come to these health and wellness spaces from a place of our personal story and what we've been through. So I I definitely feel you on that. So you focus a ton on metabolism, fertility, Mm -hmm. hormones, like you mentioned. So we're going to talk about all three of those things today. So first of all, what is our metabolism? Because I feel like it's one of those like trendy, catchy words, like boost your metabolism and, and stuff like that. And so I feel like we don't typically pause and think, what is the metabolism actually doing in our body? What is it and what's it doing? So can you tell us? Yes. Good question. So your metabolism (laughs) is the collective accumulation of all the cellular processes going on 24, seven, 365 that keep you alive. (laughs) This is energy production. This is how we make hormones. This is how we support fertility or support of pregnancy. It's how Mm. we detoxify. It's how we digest. So I do feel like the metabolism gets undersold when we think of it just as a weight loss. Right. You know, like I either Uh have a fast or a slow metabolism and it means I lose weight quickly or slowly. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more than that. So for sure, all the cellular processes. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. It it really encompasses so much more. We oversimplify it for sure. I think you're Mm -hmm. right. So when we think about a sluggish metabolism or a slow metabolism, what does that really mean? And I want to know, like, 
what does it mean for all of those processes? Right. Yeah. And then also what do we freaking do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is something that we see so commonly. I mean, mm-hmm. if you follow me on Insta- Instagram, you know, I talk about this all the time that we've got an epidemic of sluggish metabolisms right. on our hands. And really what we mean when we say that is that cellular energy production is slower than it should be. We're not keeping mm-hmm. up with the energy demands of the body. And this is going to influence literally every body system. So if we take it from the top and start with digestion, this means we're having slow motility through the GI tract. So this Mm -hmm. can mean poor nutrient extraction. This can mean like sluggish or infrequent bowel movements like constipation. We've got food sitting in the GI tract. So we're much more Uh. prone to bloating and discomfort and even just pathogen production and presence in the gut. From a hormone standpoint and why I get super passionate about metabolism in general is that to make hormones is an energy dependent process. Yes, totally. (laughs) Not to mention carrying life is largely energy dependent. Man, yes. Yeah. So we see big time impact on cycles, on fertility, on hormone symptoms, on successful pregnancy related to the metabolism. Yeah, man, it affects so much more than we realize. So I want to know another thing that can impact hormones, like you were saying, your your metabolism is slow. Mm-hmm. The, even the creation of hormones can be slow. So what is the problem with under eating? And I, I ask this for a lot of us. I had a period of my life where I realized I had a practitioner say, you are not eating enough. Like, why are you not eating enough? And I think that we hear a lot about overeating and all of the negative side effects of that, but I don't think that we've really fully appreciated how our culture is swinging to undereating. And it's yeah. this like body dysmorphia, it's fear of food and what it's gonna do to our body, whether that's gain weight or whatever. And so I've actually had a lot of high school students recently as yeah. health coaching clients who are telling me, oh, we just don't eat. <laughs> Mm, we just don't eat breakfast. We don't eat lunch. Like we just don't eat. And so I want to know, in your opinion, what is the problem with under eating, especially mm-hmm. how it impacts our hormones? For sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up and I'm so glad you're working with these high school students. It's oh. heartbreaking to hear that. And we see under eating as an issue with the majority of our clients, at least in mm-hmm. the, in the population we serve. Definitely something I experienced firsthand too. And it's because right. there's so much really garbage nutrition and health information out there, particularly mm-hmm. for women, it seems. And if we under eat on a consistent basis, so the energy coming in through food is below what we need to run our metabolism, run our body processes, our body has some really smart and really safe compensatory mechanisms it's going mm-hmm. to make. And this is going to be to slow the rate of your thyroid. So we want to slow down how fast we're burning through the energy we do have. Mm-hmm. We're going to shut off unessential or non-essential functions. So right. things like hair growth and skin mm-hmm. cell turnover and wow. even fertility. So ovulation and hormone production mm-hmm. wouldn't be considered life-saving events. So right. we're going to start to divert resources away from that. Which is so crazy because people talk about trying to conceive, like struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the fact that your body really needs to be in like a whole healthy thriving state in order to really think let's bring like another human into this to this situation and so if you are not eating enough to function right and i like to think about like 
back in our Paleolithic ancestor days, what would a lack of food really meant, right? And it's like, yeah. you're telling your body, I'm like in the Saharan desert, I'm in a feast, mm -hmm. I'm in a, a famine state. And so, you know, I don't have enough food. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough vitamins, minerals, all the things you need to run your body. So of course it makes sense for your body to say, you can't have a kid like right. <laughs> you cannot support your own life, let alone another life. And that's just a crazy concept when we think about it that way. But it makes sense from like an evolutionary standpoint, why our body mm -hmm. would shut off certain processes. And so, yeah, I wonder, like, what are the long term effects of that? Mm -hmm. Like if someone is yeah. consistently under eating and not realizing it's a problem, like what are the long term effects of that? Yeah. And it's the long-term situation. That's the problem. We can, you know, the human body is beautifully resilient and adaptable. If this is happening transiently for short periods of time, or even accidentally, like it's, we're not going to have major shifts in our physiology, but when this is done over the long term, and this is especially true for women, because so much of our physiology is rooted in safety and energy availability, we're looking at a slowed metabolic rate. So over time, right. that's going to be slower. And it creates the most frustrating scenario where maybe we're trying really, really hard, like working towards some kind of body composition goal, right. and you're doing the most like you're in the gym, you're eating super well, maybe you've reduced your calorie intake, and you have to keep reducing it and reducing it to see any meaningful change, or maybe there's no change being made at all, right? It's because we've undercut that metabolic rate so much. Mm -hmm. And your body's really got your back at the end of the day, and wants to sure. preserve your life. So we're not going to see improvements there. So we see thyroid hormone output really jeopardized with long-term under eating. And this can feel like cold body temperature. It can feel like mm -hmm. hair loss. It can feel like brittle nails and dry skin. We can see this cause irregular or totally absent menstrual cycles if this is right. done on the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and then with that comes fertility challenges, typically if we're not ovulating predictably or strongly, and then a lot of digestive stuff in this realm mm -hmm. too. So we talked about Slowed metabolic rate means slow transit through the gut. So we might right. be looking at constipation, bloating, discomfort. Yeah, so many things, so many things to unpack there. Yeah, I want to know if we're not ovulating. And it's interesting because we're just talking about your body saying, you're not giving me food, so I can't have a baby, right? Like I can, yep. we can't bring something else into this. And so the next step that you just described is we stop cycling altogether. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's just no cycle or maybe there's no ovulation. So okay. if for someone who maybe, so it's, it's possible, right? To have a cycle, but not be ovulating. Yes. You can have an anovulatory cycle. Right. Yep. So how would you know, like if for yeah. someone who's trying to conceive, how would you know if you aren't ovulating? Yes. And I think this, this is something I could get real soapboxy about because I feel like <laughs> our seventh grade health class did not set us up for success oh, in this department. No. But I do think learning some body literacy skills, learning how to identify if and when you ovulated and mm -hmm. therefore when your fertile window is, is yes. like a superpower to have that ability. And of course should be a required uh, skill set. Requires skill, but totally. I digress. So the way that we would know if we ovulated is we can track our basal body temperature is right. usually the easiest, most accessible and essentially free thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, this requires taking your waking sublingual body temperature, like yep. right when your eyes open thermometer on the nightstand. And when you ovulate, we release progesterone, we produce progesterone, and that actually increases the function of your thyroid and raises body temperature. 
So mm. we can confirm that ovulation happened if we have this specific and predictable rise in body temperature in the mm. second half of the cycle. Yeah. Um, we can also look at the other measures of fertility awareness method. So it's basal body temperature, it's cervical position and cervical fluid to predict mm-hmm. and confirm ovulation. Yeah. And that would be the best thing we could do to make sure we knew, okay, I'm, I had a bleed, but did mm-hmm. I ovulate? The anovulatory cycles tend to be more symptomatic. So you might notice more PMS, heavier painful period. And that's just because we don't have the benefit of progesterone unless mm-hmm. we ovulated. Yeah, the benefit of progesterone. Yeah, that's so good. And then also too, hormone imbalances are causing these irregularities. And so those hormone imbalances are also what's giving us PMS. So yeah, that makes sense that those cycles would not feel as great. And I, just to tell the listeners, I use my DAISY fertility tracker every single day. Yeah, I love it so much. Other people love the Aura Ring or other ways to track, but I find there is a cost associated. So like the $2 thermometer is going to be the most cost effective way to do it. But I appreciate like the data tracking in my app. And also they use like millions of women's periods to really narrow Mm -hmm. that down and track it. And so even though, you know, we have like a permanent form of birth control, I find this data interesting for myself, just from a like, a data point in my whole health and wellness, you know, your cycle is a really, really good data point to know how your overall health Mm -hmm. is doing. So we've started talking about hormones. I want to keep going in that way. I saw this phrase on Instagram and I love it that we are a generation deprived Mm -hmm. of progesterone. (laughs) So tell us more about what you mean by that. Yeah. And this really goes hand in hand with the whole epidemic of sluggish metabolisms conversation that we're having. Yes. And progesterone is kind of like nature's anti-anxiety hormone. It's uh, Mm. calming. It promotes restful sleep. It is soothing to the nervous system. It balances out the proliferative effects of estrogen. So it keeps estrogen in check. It promotes like a sense of peace and calm and just kind of at ease with life. And it only is made if we ovulate. So we talked a lot about the fact that under eating metabolic issues, one piece we didn't talk about yet, but I'm sure we're about to is this huge stress burden on all of us day to day. So just a big mismatch between our physiology and the environment that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things jeopardize whether or not ovulation can happen and whether or not we have the resources on hand to make progesterone. So kind of all the issues, all the same issues manifesting in different ways, but it to me looks like generationally speaking between high stress, between nutrition issues, whether that's under eating or just really poor nutrient quality of the food Mm. that we eat, the stress and mismatch of our physiology and our environment. And then the frequent use of hormonal birth control all created this perfect storm that just sapped everybody of their progesterone. Sure. Oh man. Yeah. I have been low in progesterone in, in my life as well. And I, it was interesting because one of the practitioners I've worked with was basically like, she can tell based on like meeting someone, like the people who are really high energy, they're like overachievers, get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, like it zaps your progesterone. (laughs) So she's like, (laughs) I can like meet people and being like, Hey girl, you low in progesterone, which I think is hilarious. Uh, So you talked about a lot of the benefits of like it being an anti-anxiety hormone, Mm -hmm. feelings of calm. How would someone know that they're low in progesterone? What are some of those symptoms that we would see? 
Yeah. Really symptomatic cycles. So you mm-hmm. might be somebody that just gets totally derailed by PMS a week right. before a couple of days before your cycle. So more significant mood swings, fatigue, heavy, painful, crampy periods, mm-hmm. sleep issues leading up to your period right. is another big one too. Mm-hmm. If you aren't ovulating at all, that is a very clear indication that there's no sure. progesterone because we can't mm-hmm. make it you know, without yeah. ovulation. And then even just thyroid issues, low basal body temperature, mm-hmm. other signs of sluggish metabolism that we talked about do yeah. run with low progesterone since that helps stimulate the thyroid gland. So there's a big, sure. big overlap in these two things, yeah. metabolism and progesterone. Yeah. And thyroid, which are like... Yep all these crazy things. Yeah. So I want to know what does the nervous system, how does the nervous Mm -hmm. system play a role in really working to heal our hormones? Yeah. So we've touched on this a little bit when we say that female physiology is rooted in safety. So your brain is constantly scanning the way that you eat, the way that you move, the way that you sleep, the way that you exist in this world, and even thoughts and beliefs that you bathe Mm -hmm. your brain and body in all day. And it is trying to answer the question, am I safe or not? If I'm safe, great green light for ovulation, for supporting fertility, for really robust metabolism. If I'm not feeling safe, if the cumulative answer of those questions is Mm. no, not right now, then that gets shut down, including progesterone production. So Mm. having a really regulated nervous system is like fundamental for healing in any way, shape or form. It's fundamental for optimal health because that's a constant source of stress if it's unregulated. And I think that gets missed a lot because when we say I'm stressed out, we think about a stressful day in the office or family stress, financial stress, physical stress, but there's so much inside our body and internal processes that are stressors that Mm -hmm. we have to take into account and make sure that we've got the tools at our disposal to help regulate that nervous system and get it out of this chronic fight or flight state that most of us run around in. (laughs) Oh man, it's so crazy. And Mm -hmm. so thinking about this stressful state, like experiencing stress, like number one, how do we balance our nervous system and really calm it down? Now that we know it's so important in pretty much all the processes of our body, Mm -hmm. what do we do to like both manage stress and manage and calm our nervous system? Yeah. We usually like to talk about it in two like main pillars with our clients. Mm-hmm. And the first yeah. is we want to modulate the stressors that are within our control. So we want to look at this list and say, okay, I've got finite energy, time and resources each day. What can I actually move the needle on? And this mm-hmm. is eating enough, it's yeah. sleeping enough, and it's making sure that our movement is appropriate for the amount of rest and recovery that we can get. Those are really big ones. And then the other side of that coin is how can I build some resilience to stress? Because we can't live a stress-free life. I mean, it'd be great, but that's not an option. (laughs) And the way that we build resilience to stress, first and foremost, is through getting more minerals. We have a big mineral focus in our practice because Mm -hmm. that's how we run our metabolism. It's how we create energy. It's how we buffer stress because we lose minerals really fast when we are experiencing stress. Mm -hmm. So this is like our safeguard here. And then building some nervous system practices. And there are like infinite tools that we can look at. And even sure. that is overwhelming and stressful. So one of the <laughs> really easy, freely accessible ones that we like to start with is just looking at the breath. And the way that you breathe has a direct influence on the state of your nervous system. So what we typically are doing is this short, shallow chest breathing mm-hmm. like all day. I do this all day. I catch myself constantly. 
And so it's just an awareness of that. And instead breathing deeply and fully like into your belly, slowing it down, actually expanding the rib cage, actually expanding the diaphragm and just a couple slow, deep belly breaths can really shift the nervous system. So we'll have clients like put a little post-it note on their computer screen at work Mm. or on their phone to just remind them to breathe. Like, let's not hold our breath. Let's not do the shallow chest breathing. And Mm -hmm. that can be something we can do throughout the day to help get the nervous system in check. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about stress, you know, we start to think about the adrenals and Mm -hmm. cortisol, adrenaline. So a lot of us can go around just drinking coffee in the morning, Uh, you know, not eating enough, doing a lot of these practices that we talked about, and then we end up running on stress hormones. So, which is not great, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can lead to a lot of weight gain around the middle section and yep. different things. And so it, are are these healing practices that you just mentioned to handle stress, is that the primary thing we can do to transition away from running on stress hormones? Or are there other things we should be doing too? Yeah, those are the big ones and definitely where I would start. Of course, it can be further individualized depending on what's going mm. on. We're big fans of therapy, coaching, counseling, things that can help manage trauma and and just deeper work than we can do outside of the context of a health appointment. Looking at the quality and type of sleep and even the way we breathe when we sleep is a big Mm -hmm. opportunity to reduce stress. And then a couple big ones that I don't think get enough airtime are community. So gathering with people, especially for women, like we are social beings and really benefit and acts into a sense of safety when we're in community. Uh, Time in nature is a really big, really big healing tool. Literally just standing barefoot in your yard for a few minutes will make a big difference. (laughs) That's so good. I know. I saw this study once talking about being in nature for a weekend and how long it boosts your metabolism. So if you were to go camping and it actually like increases your white blood cells ability to work for something like 31 days, it is a whole month, which is crazy. Like, yeah, we we just underestimate the fact that we were built to be in nature, not be inside these static homes. And like, I think we underestimate that for sure. Love that so much. So I have been so into balancing blood sugar recently. Mm, Like my, you know, I've been on a weight loss journey. It's a long story, but a lot (laughs) of these things contributed. And so I've been into balancing my own blood sugar super high, even though I'm like eating a paleo diet, working out, doing the right things. And I do want to say, it's interesting having this conversation with you, Kaylee, because I do, I hear a lot of things that are well-intentioned, right? Like I want my body to be within a normal size in terms of health, not even physique, just like health. I want to bring my body into a normal, healthy size. So I'm going to eat less, right? So like, that's the intention or, you know, I same, same goal. I want, I want to increase my muscle mass. So I'm going to over exercise. I'm going to really Mm -hmm. overdo it and over stress my body. So it's interesting because I feel like a lot of these things have the intention of trying to be healthy, but it's without this, like this really nuanced knowledge 
of what it's actually doing to our health. So anyway, going back to balancing blood sugar. So I started taking my blood sugar, got like the diabetic glucose monitor, you know, so I'm finger pricking myself and my glucose is so freaking high Mm. and likely because also my cortisol was really high. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things play, play into each other, but I want to know what are your favorite ways to balance blood sugar and what are some strategies that you share with your clients? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is a big pillar too. It definitely deserves mm-hmm. to be on that foundational list of stress of stress management. Yeah. It's a big pillar of what we do with our clients too. And my story is so similar to yours. I won't bore you guys all with the details, but it was the same thing. I was applying like an extreme amount of effort thinking that I was doing things to promote health. Mm-hmm. And then I did some lab work on myself and it was like right. the worst I had seen. <laughs> and I was like, this does not make sense. Right. <laughs> but it exactly. did. It really made a lot of sense. So right. Balancing blood sugar for our clients typically looks like eating breakfast within an hour of waking. And this is hard because intermittent fasting has had its moments. And I'm not against fasting as a whole. I think there's absolutely a time and place for it. And there's some real like researched benefits to this. But if our goal is to get off of stress hormones, get our system more regulated, it's typically not a fit, at least for women in my experience. Sure, Especially what I've seen is like, If you are in your baby making ages, (laughs) there's a name for that. And that's all the childbearing age. There you go. (laughs) Let's make babies. You know, if you're in that window, it's just not great. Like, and I do feel like too, looking at the science of fasting, a lot of the studies are men, right? Yeah, Almost all of them. And men are on this 24 hour cycle, Mm -hmm. la-di-da, right? Just like taking over the world. And here we are on these 28 to 32 day cycles. And it just can wreak some havoc. Yeah. And depending on, depending on your goals and such, but I I do feel like for me, I tried it for a while before I knew better. And the, the lack of my body having to focus on digestion was really helpful for my digestion specifically, but I think it wreaked my heart, like totally wrecked my hormones. So <laughs> it's hard. It's like, there's a season where that can work, mm-hmm. right? It's when sure. the other stressors are managed. I remember sure. when I was intermittent fasting and I was checking my blood sugar and see my fasting blood sugar was actually really high when I would fast in the morning and then much lower if I would eat breakfast. So it was one of those like aha moments where I realized having breakfast oh. within an hour of waking is an opportunity to reduce cortisol. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's because your body eat like your body has to have energy. Exactly. And so what I learned by having really insanely high cortisol even though I was like consciously unstressed, like I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I was presenting stress, your body either has to have food as energy or cortisol. Like it's exactly. like, oh, we don't have food, let's raise the cortisol, yep. which also makes it harder to lose weight. Cortisol holds on to weight. And so if that's your goal, then you're not helping yourself by not eating in the morning for sure. Yep. Yep. Learn okay. that too. Blood yeah, sugar. So, so eating breakfast. <laughs> yes. So a protein rich breakfast is key mm, too. So yeah. we know in the research that if we can get 20 to 30 grams of protein in that first meal, it will impact blood sugar stability in a favorable way for the rest of the day. So we really Mm. set the tone for our blood sugar right when we wake up. We're either starting the day on a roller coaster of highs and lows and cortisol, or we can start off really stable with fuel in the tank. If we've got that 20 to 30 grams of protein with some healthy fats and some carbohydrates together, we get a nice like rolling hill effect for our blood sugar throughout the day instead of huge peaks and valleys. 
So we'll start that with breakfast. The other big morning thing too, is to, if you're a coffee drinker, which I am love coffee, coffee. I want to make sure we're having that with your breakfast and not before it. And that's an easy thing to slip into where it's like, Oh, I'm not, maybe I'm not super hungry yet. Or maybe I'm running out the door with kids or I'm starting Mm -hmm. my work day. It's so easy to grab that cup of coffee. But one of the ways that coffee gives us pep in our step is a transient rise in cortisol. So preparing that with a fasted state, it can be too much. Right. Which is back to intermittent fasting. It's so funny because intermittent fasting is like, you can do black coffee. And so what do we do? We do intermittent fasting with black coffee and we're just like shooting our cortisol through the roof for sure. No, that's so great. And then also too, like I've been loving apple cider vinegar and water like 30 minutes before a meal and looking at like i follow glucose goddess on instagram and Mm -hmm. looking at her charts of like you eat a bagel with nothing you eat a bagel with apple cider vinegar and it stays within the zone so like i'm all about finding the tricks to really stabilize those blood sugar spikes make them not so high and even one thing i've been doing too is like the order in which i eat things so if i have a plate like my lunch just now was green beans some red potatoes and like a turkey burger and even eating all of my green beans then my turkey burger, then my carbohydrate, my potatoes, that will spike your glucose less than eating carbs first, which like, I feel like we all love carbs so much. We're like, carbs. Um, So even just the order of what you eat, which blows my mind that it's the same exact food, but can behave differently in your body. Interesting, yeah. Blows my mind. Anyway, amazing. This has been such a lovely conversation. So let me ask the question that I ask everybody at the end. So at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? Mm. A successful life will look like I lived authentically. I think that that's typically what I'm trying to filter most decisions through is like, Mm. is this authentic to me, who I am and the beliefs that I hold? So if I've lived life that way, no matter how it plays out and what happens, I'll feel like it was a success for sure. I love that, especially because sometimes it can be so hard to do. I love that. Uh, So (laughs) for people who want to either work with you or connect with you more, talk to us a little bit about how that works and where people can connect with you. Yeah. So you can find me mostly on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. at Kaylee RD. My name is spelled pretty weird. It's K-A-E-L-Y and then RD. My website is the same, KayleeRD.com. But I spend most of the time educating and interacting on Instagram. You'll be able to find links to our various services from there too. So we serve clients in a one-on-one capacity and soon to be a group capacity next year too, Yay. which we're excited about. Yeah. And then I also do work with other practitioners a couple times a year in a mentorship program, teaching them how to use functional testing in practice. So you'll find all of that. And uh, yeah, that's what we are up to. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Kaylee. I learned so many things that I'm going to start incorporating into my own life. And listeners, if you are interested in working one-on-one with Kaylee, you can go to her Instagram. You spell Kaylee, K-A-E-L-Y. And then she has RD on the end. So that's Kaylee RD on Instagram. And from there, you can follow her to learn a lot more. You can also click the link in her bio to set up a virtual consult. Thanks again for being here, Kaylee. And listeners, I will see you next week.